Greetings, Maltopians. Are you looking to delve deeper into the world of Maltopia? Then check out our Patreon, where you can find written mythos pieces, world maps, found footage, art, Patreon-exclusive shows, and more. Just go to patreon.com forward slash Maltopia and join one of our tiers for access to great new content. Brave the forbidden and embrace the darkness. You should celebrate yourself every day, but some days you should celebrate with jewelry. Whether you want to commemorate an unforgettable moment or just bring some added sparkle to your collection, Blue Nile can offer you expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com today and experience the ease and convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply, if rated PG.
The group had wandered the better part of the day, moving through their old camp first to pick up their things and then off into the wilderness. The woods were invaded by black cliffs, crimson vines crawling upon their sides, making it look like streams of blood were dribbling down their stone faces. Despite escaping Misereth, there was a grimness to the group's collective psyche, a kind of hopelessness that hung over them like a proverbial black cloud. Their trajectory was aimless and without a discernible goal, save for survival. There was also no telling whether the citizens of Misereth would seek retribution, though, after realizing what Riva had done, he couldn't imagine they would. As a result, the group had been quiet for the most part, everyone stewing in the broth of their own self-doubt, wondering if they'd ever make it out of this godforsaken place. Additionally, Wesley's stomach was on the fritz, churning like a hot tar pit in the summer sun. Soon, the pain became unbearable, and Wesley felt the sea of bile and stomach acid welling quickly inside of him. Ugh, hold up, guys. What's wrong? Jesus, you look like hell. Wesley held up a finger and ran into the thickets. Once he thought he was out of earshot, a flood poured from his mouth. The world spun for a few moments, and then he could feel another tide rising. It was painful when he vomited, straining so hard it felt like his face would explode. He could only imagine what he looked like, his face beet red, veins bulging from his sweaty, pallid skin. When he was finally finished, he fell to his hands and knees, breathing as if the oxygen in the air could disappear at any moment. The smell was awful, and he almost let loose another wave onto the ground, but he managed to choke it down, taking a deep breath of the constantly moist air. He was starting to compose himself when something else took his breath away. There were chunks of flesh and several eyeballs in the steaming pile of vomit. Wesley quickly put his hands over his mouth to suffocate the scream rapidly traveling up his throat. He took a closer look at it. The flesh was grotesque and punctuated with small mouths, and the eyes were attached to fibrous stalks. He'd seen this before. His nausea started returning as the reality of what he was looking at dawned on him like a winter morning. Oh my god, it was you. You, you, you were the thing in the room with Gothamir. You're what killed him, what, what a part of him. Oh, Jesus fucking Christ. <laughs> I told you, little Wesley, I am not without my resources. And I will not cow to such a lowly creature, some degenerate thing playing king. But oh, you should have seen his face when the pusillanimous little thing known as Wesley Morrigan became something beyond his meager comprehension. So, of course, I toyed with him at first, picking him up and plucking all his squirming little appendages off, one by one. <laughs> oh, how he screamed, Wesley, how he bellowed for mercy as I fed him parts of himself. And then, of course, I took a nice big bite out of him. <laughs> but I don't need to tell you how he tasted. <laughs> but how? I, I saw something in the room, like, like there was something else there. Perception is such a funny thing, isn't it? A tiny alteration to the electrochemical signals in that primitive simian brain of yours, and you can see anything. Did you really think your mind was really yours anymore, Wesley? Though, to be honest, I didn't plan on you finding out, but your weak stomach seems to have let the cat out of the proverbial bag. You, you fucking piece of shit! You can't just control me like I'm your fucking puppet! God damn you! You've turned me into some kind of fucking monster! 
Oh, we're so much more than that, Wesley. So much more. As for what I can and cannot do, I'm afraid, much to your dismay, I'll do whatever I fucking please. Up to and including cutting and smearing that gaggle of idiots you travel with across these fucking woods. I'll slowly devour their fragile little bodies, shit their bones out, and then let you sift through the pile for keepsakes. <laughs> no, 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 no. No, leave them alone. I'll, I'll do whatever you want. I, I, just don't hurt them. <laughs> Your kind never fails to amuse me. Always afraid to lose those frail little flesh boxes you live in. Oh, you babble on and on about the importance of spirit, pontificate about the immeasurable value of the soul. But in the end, you're just frightened little monkeys afraid to leave the trees for fear of what you might find in the forest. There was a moment of silence, of horrible understanding. Now, I suggest you cover that mess up and compose yourself. I can hear one of your friends coming. Wesley quickly grabbed some loose leaves and branches, covered up the content of his upheaval and tried to strike the panicked expression from his face. Soon, he saw Vorin appear through the brush, a concerned look on his face. All right, Wesley? Yeah, yeah, uh, it's just, um, you know, the whole thing back at Miserith must have just, uh, caught up with me is all. I'm feeling better. You sure? Really, really, I'm fine. Um, it's ready to hit the road again. Vorin nodded, and the two walked back to where the rest of the group was quietly waiting. Everything all right? Yeah, I just... Uh, I just had to get all the stress out of my system. I'm, I'm good now. Now, not to put too much pressure on you guys or anything, but uh, do we have any idea where we're going? Away from Misereth. And then where? We'll have to see. Moffat, given that River had the mindfulness to bring your lantern with him, I take it you can use it to help guide us? Ah, uh, yes. I do appreciate the forethought, River. And, perhaps, would be the appropriate answer to that question. I do not create the Shatos, Ink Dragon. I only conjure them. However, I did pick up a bit of kindling back in Miserith, courtesy of our rather foul-mouthed resident Malsair. It will do the trick, I believe. Kindling? What do you mean by that? Never you mind, Dr. Morgan. <sighs> whatever. River signed somewhat emphatically to the group. River says he'd feel better if we got a few more miles away before we stopped for the day. The group nodded their heads, agreeing with the Malsair. As they traveled further, the trees began to recede into cliff faces and large ivory-colored boulders. Soon, the once solemn but lush forest dwindled into stray saplings and small sprigs of switchgrass. The rest was a desert of granite and obsidian-like rock. There was even spots where the two species of stone seemed melded creating bizarre striated patterns across boulders and small mountains. The clouds were still gray overhead, their thunderous voices echoing across the land, occasionally sprinkling droplets of rain upon the wanderers. Once they'd gone far enough, they set up camp under a giant natural bridge of rock, its surface tiger-striped with black and gray stone. At the very least, it would provide some cover from the rain. The group unpacked their equipment and set up the tents into small fire. Night soon ate the sky, and Wesley could see the stars. Like the suns, he could tell they were different, the familiar constellations he used to stare up at now suspiciously absent. He was surprised at his deficit of awe. At this point, he was desensitized to the Outre, given how frequent his encounters with it had become. Still, the place had a morbid beauty, a hopeless elegance that triggered a kind of dark revelry.
Like many times before, the downtrodden group gathered around the fire and ate their MREs, discussing various topics and bantering back and forth. So tell me, you said you worked for Salence University, or a secret group within Salence. What were you doing before all this? Much like yourself, I imagine. We were conducting research. What were you researching? The obscurum known as the Library of Unwritten Books. Afraid I haven't heard of that one. You mean you didn't have a chance to clumsily apply your debunking methods, citing swamp gas and misperceptions aplenty? Fuck you, Moffat. Go on, Boren. It's a vast library that was found in the neighboring woods of Inistioge Island. The books are all written in different languages, some of which have never been catalogued. The unique thing about these books is they're filled with various historical events that supposedly took place here on Earth. However, these transcribed occurrences couldn't possibly have happened, as the ramifications of many of them would have been long-standing and culturally transformative. So, the books are all fabrications? I mean, the sheer amount of them is compelling, but I don't know, I don't see why a bunch of fictional books would garner serious interest from the university. Well, that's the thing. There are photographs in these books ones that have been rigorously tested by conventional and unconventional means and have been shown to be authentic. Furthermore, while the events can't have occurred, there is some material proof to suggest otherwise. For instance, the statue of Ignean the Vengeful, a powerful theocrat who became an emperor in the late 1700s, according to one of the books. The statue was destroyed upon the siege of a city called Theophis. The head of said statue was said to be buried in the city's ruins alongside the decapitated corpse of Ignean himself. But, of course, there never was an emperor named Ignean or a city called Theophis. Still, despite that, the statue's head and an accompanying headless skeleton were found three years ago in a field in Scotland, which we know was united with England into one kingdom at the time. Thus, the paradoxical and intriguing nature of the books. So what's the hypothesis? The statue was dated, I suspect. Of course. Then how do you account for the contradictions? Multiple worlds theory? Temporary superpositioning of alternate timelines? I've heard all of them posited by various scientists to account for these kind of weird disparities. Just never gave them much thought before. I'm not sure. I was simply sent to translate the books and collect the evidence. How it all figures into a cohesive theory is for the physicists and dark scholars to figure out. Fascinating. The group talked for a bit longer, and then retired to their tents. Wesley crawled into his sleeping bag and tried to get comfortable, the hard rock beneath him making it difficult. Once he was situated, his mind wandered, eventually settling on the strange dream he had in Gothamir's clutches, or, more accurately, when he was taken over by the thing in his head. I suppose I can't ask about the dream I had, the one of the baby being given away, or perhaps any of the others that I've had that I imagine I'll continue to have. The voice was silent, quietly smiling in that nebulous void it lived in. Wesley didn't understand why it was withholding answers, and if it could control his mind like it said it could, why was it letting him have the dreams? It didn't make any sense. The eyes and flesh in his vomit were real enough, though, and that was enough to make him back off. He didn't know what the thing was capable of, but it was definitely more capable than he initially thought. 
He closed his eyes, and just as he was about to fall asleep, the voice spoke up. Good night, little Radu. <laughs> Wesley jerked awake, the sound of nighttime creatures greeting him. Something's going on. What? what, what what's happening? I'm not sure. There, at Moffat's fucking tent. Wesley could see through the canvas wall of his tent the dull glow of light coming from the direction where Moffat was sleeping. The light wasn't constant, but in strange flux, as if it were waxing and waning. Wesley slowly unzipped the door entrance to his tent and peeked out into the night towards Moffat's tent. He could see vague black shapes dancing across its inner walls, quicksilver things he could nary perceive. He got that feeling again, the same one he felt when he first witnessed the Shadow Puppet Show. That reality had become molten, pliable. The gaze of the stars seemed more intense, like they were the peering eyes of cosmic giants staring at him. The night seemed liquescent, like it was some vast Stygian ocean, and he was a piece of flotsam being aimlessly dragged behind its every whim. His eyes became transfixed upon the wandering jet shapes, the figures twirling slowly as if they were upon a dying carousel. He could make out the gaunt silhouette of Moffat inside the tent, unmoving. He wanted to get a closer look, so he started to exit the tent. Once out, the world began to spin, and the lights of far-off suns streaked across the sky. The ground seemed pliable, like he was walking against a mudslide, the earth beneath him unsure of itself. He tried to walk further, but it felt like he was going nowhere in light years simultaneously. He felt knowledge as a tangible thing, teasing his fingertips as if he could pluck it like an apple from a tree. But upon trying to grasp it, it fled. A whisper dashed upon a gale of wind. Get back into the tent, you fool! It's disorienting! Wesley felt himself spill onto the ground. Not just his body, but his spirit. It's like he was in a raging river, the undertow dragging him under. As he slammed against the ground, he heard the world fade from existence, echoing into the never everything going black. What? Can you hear me? Wake up. Wes, wake up now. Wes! You okay? Wake up! Wesley awoke to the worried face of Salvatore, who was hovering directly over him. To his sides were Riva and Vorin, who seemed similarly concerned. Yeah, yeah, uh, I'm... I'm awake, what... What happened? I don't know, man. You tell us. What the hell are you doing out here? Wesley looked around. He was still outside. Ah, oh, shit. I, uh... I was out here last night because I saw some light from Cyrus's tent. Uh, then I just... I don't know, I just passed out. Moffat appeared from the periphery, a smug look on his face. Ah, yes. I was consulting the lantern last night. I thought everyone was asleep, but I must have been mistaken. I do apologize. The ritual can be disorienting for some. Salvatore lent Wesley his hand and helped him from the ground. He was still a bit tipsy, but he was okay. Vorin looked over to Moffat. Any insights? Perhaps, but I'm still trying to figure some out. That said, the Shetos painted a pretty clear picture of that clearing over there. Moffat pointed to a place in the distance where two cliffs converged and created a rock trail upwards. Any idea where it leads to? The shadows were a bit hazy on that point, as shadows often are. Is it dangerous? 
were traipsing around on an unknown continent that appeared after the great darkness that seems to harbor strange malevolent creatures. Of course it's dangerous. But the shadows didn't specify those perils, if that's what you're asking. He's not telling you everything, that pompous prick. But I could pry it out of him, Wesley. Tear it from his lungs, and whatever screams might come with it. No, goddammit. We had a deal. You said you'd leave him alone if I complied, and I have. Never make deals with devils, little Wesley. We tend to find loopholes. <laughs> the group gathered their equipment and gear and began their journey toward the stony incline. As usual, the clouds incessantly grumbled, occasionally weeping upon the embattled group as they tread across stone plains. When they reached the stone pathway, it became misty, and they waded through thick plumes of ashen fog. Eventually, the incline leveled out, and they were greeted with more behemoth rocks, their black and gray face now injected with thin stripes of vermilion. The occasional rogue tree or brush broke up the drab monotony of the mountains, but the fog often made visibility difficult. Then, as the suns were beginning to set, Wesley heard Vorn suddenly shout out from the front. I think I see something. The group picked up their pace, and Wesley could feel a slight decline as he rambled through the mists. The fog left them as they descended, and giant shapes began to appear from the smoky effulgence. Massive pillars and dolmens came into view, and strange stone architecture reached up into the sky. Remnants of huge gothic buildings were scattered across the land, all in various states of disarray and dilapidation. Immense statues carved from the gray and black stone loomed over them like granite gods, their shadows swallowing them in their icky vastness. Many of them were hard to discern as age and weather eroded many of their characteristics. But the enormous stone snakes coiled at the feet of the monstrosities gave Wesley a good idea of who the statues were meant to represent. The giant monoliths and other rocky structures seemed to form a winding path meant to hem the stride of giants. But what was most disconcerting was what they found at the end of the trail. There, yawning like the mouth of a god, loomed the opening of a cave. The void large enough to fit a city its darkness seemed to whisper of a doom long past. <laughs> you gotta be fucking kidding me. Grimland is a Maltopia production. Today's episode was written by Stephen Anslone. The episode was edited by Walker Kornfeld. Sound production and editing was performed by Stephen Anslone. Check us out on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram by searching Maltopia. That's M-A-E-L-T-O-P-I-A. And if you'd like to know more about Grimland and contribute to its nightmarish expansion, visit us at www.patreon.com forward slash Maltopia, where you can gain access to all sorts of art, mythologies, stories, and more. For more information about Grimland and the world of Maltopia, visit us at maltopia.com. 
What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.